But he was like, dude, if you're sick or if you have anxiety, just just be that. Just be the anxiety while it's there and and and, and see it for what it is. Or if you're sick and you have an illness, just 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 embrace it and and know that there's a reason why you're experiencing that sickness. And that's that's really helped me. some podcasts and today i have connor my my adorable Yo. little friend <laughs> my little my little <laughs> rapper <laughs> i shouldn't say that no that's okay that was actually my first aspiration was to want to be a gangster rapper so it's true you didn't really talk about that you don't did you talk about that with when in your okay so let's start with the rebirth of your uh, content because the original one if you guys know if you listened to him before it was the daily originally it was the daily discussion and now he changed it to well you and bj actually so if you can tell us a little bit about your little universe or your content well yeah it originally was going to be a transformation where we were going to turn the daily discussion into the daily discourse with bj added on and then it just got to a point where we realized that what we were doing was so different that it just had to be its own thing. So the daily discussion Facebook group is still up and running. It's kind of taken on a little mind of its own, but it's still there and anyone can go there and, and, and engage with it. But what the archive is, is something completely different and idiosyncratic. I think uh, we have like ideas for new segments that are really cool. Um, and it's just, it's just going to be its own unique thing. I think it's going to have a different feel than the daily discussion, but I'm really glad I started the daily discussion because it was a lot more successful than I thought it was going to be. And it was fun. And I met a lot of cool people. I met you. I met Isaac. Uh, I actually met BJ through the daily discussion. So I, yeah, I'm really glad I did it, but the archive is the new, new. Yeah. I can't wait for that. And I, I, I think it was like Isaac can make a joke and I know Isaac's going to listen to this. He was like, we got a little fangirl. I was like, nope. I am like your guys' mommy. <laughs> it's like the you're, archetype. I'm. <laughs> you're like our cheerleader mom. I feel like. <laughs> You're just rooting yes. for us the whole time, and it's so good. No, the compliment you gave me the other day, Boone, was like, I feel like at that very moment that you gave it to me, I actually really needed it. And it was like, I messaged BJ afterwards, and I was like, bro, we got to get started on this stuff. I'm so pumped. And, it, and it, I felt like that was – I could attribute that to you. So thank you for that. I really appreciate yeah, that. But it's like that, – that's the thing that I, I really admire about you, and I think that everybody should compliment each other. I, I think that with, with – 
the world going into destruction mode right now with in chaos, I think yeah. that we should give each other a compliment. So if you guys know what I'm talking about, if you guys are not friends with us on Facebook, um, I, I think it was like Isaac, he posted in the Daily Archetype, his group, he said, what is maturity? Mm. And I stated and I brought up Connor into the conversation because if you guys ever listen to Connor or look at Connor and pay attention to his content, he's actually listening to you and like he's doing right now. And um, I didn't I don't know Connor just yet. Like I, I, I it hasn't even been like a year, but it's been a couple of months. Mm -hmm. But I noticed his transformation from like September, the video that you posted on your page to where you are now. And it's like a like a totally completely different person in a good way, and like the art of listening is very difficult for people to do, especially yeah. for some podcasters. Um, some, <clears throat> I think I was like on a show yesterday. It was like I just kept getting interrupted. I can't stand that. I think that um, it's normal to interject uh, when you're asking a question or something like that. But like just listening to the other person and actually taking it in, I think that's what you have mastered in my personal opinion, what, what I think. And I think you guys should watch him and his body language. And he actually does care. And the, my favorite one was when Connor had a Marxist Leninist on and he's listening, even though it's totally different from what Connor believes. And it, and it's just, <clears throat> I'm so excited for the, for the archive. And, and I'm just, I, I hope you guys follow him too. And with us, and I'm going to make a, an appearance on them if they have their. Segment. Absolutely. So yeah, I'll show my I feel face. Like, and I feel like in today's day and age, I feel like a lot of people do this thing where they listen only to respond. You know what I mean? Like they 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 will pinpoint something you said 30 seconds before your sentiment was over, and they'll hyper focus on that and just store something to respond to in their in their brain until the other person is done talking. And I think I don't know. Personally, I think that takes away from the conversation. I think that takes away from the flow. And I think you can tell a good poster, but a good podcaster from a, a bad podcaster, like Joe Rogan. Like Joe Rogan is the honestly, he's the master of that. I mean, he 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 knows exactly when to interject and when not to interject, when to let the other person talk, and it, it's just it's it's amazing to watch. So, and I still do it too, to be honest. I appreciate you saying that, but I still get in moment in my head sometimes, and I listen. Someone will say something that really excites me that I'm really passionate about. And I'm like, oh, I want to comment on that. But, you know, that's not the right thing to comment on all the time. You have to let the other person finish it out and extract whatever the overarching point was. And I just really like uh, the thing that I also like about you is that you're able to flow. And like, um, <clears throat> I'm really jealous of Connor in a good way because of yeah. the fact that his, his speaking, he speaks from his chest. Speak from your chest. <laughs> Do I? Is that a thing? Is that like That's do some people thing. speak for their throat or their stomach or no? Because like um um I think it was uh me and Isaac and we're he's taking uh speech classes for some odd reason mm. because he wants to uh get a little bit better, which is it's a good thing because when you you podcast you talk a lot, and I told him I go why don't you just look at Connor how he talks because you you like Dr. Peterson he said you lift up your chest and I noticed that you use you, you you kind of move your body a little bit up and you speak from your stomach which is kind of a good thing because I used to be. Uh, singer a uh, vocal so that's what they teach you is to speak from your 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 diaphragm and you're good at that and i think maybe it's because of the fact that you rap because it's maybe it helps right yeah bj is actually really really good at it as well and maybe that maybe that could be attributed to his music inclination oh, yeah that, that could be and uh, if you guys don't know who bj is he has his own little series on foul called everyone needs a bj and you can tell that he just talks bj just just 
talk, 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 talk. <laughs> just like, okay. And that's, that's, that's the, the one of the good things that I really adore about the both of you is that you guys, you guys are like your own little yin and yang going at each other and just like happening with the flow. So I can't wait for that. So can you tell us a little bit more about, I'm fascinated with hip hop and I'm interested at what influence you, like what age, I mean, you grew up in, yeah. uh, was it Tacoma? Uh, yeah, Tacoma area for anyone. I mean, that's that would be the reference point. It was outskirts of Tacoma, but yeah, we could say Tacoma. Yeah, so you came from, <laughs> I used to, when I when I first saw you, I was like, this white boy raps? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no way. And then you showed me a little bit of your, uh, your little freestyle and your little flow, and I was really fascinated by it. I was like, all right, because with me, I, like I told Isaac that I grew up around hip hop, he started laughing. He was like, you know, Fresno was just a bunch of meth tweakers, but I really did grow up around. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was like, he was like, what the meth head tweaker hip hop, but. I they rap really hip-hop. fast. Yeah. <laughs> and so like the, the thing is, is that I grew up around hip hop and I was influenced by hip hop and you can hear it in my stuff in my, I, I like to mix it with my culture a little bit. And my favorite is Japanese hip hop. So when I say Japanese hip hop, I don't mean like, I mean like the beat and stuff like that. So right. um, what got you into rapping? That what is the art oh, that you, you know, like? my uncle, bless his heart. He's one of the smartest people I know. He's a great guy. He brought over a copy of, a, of an actual tape that he put into the stereo at my mom's house. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was not the... Not the real Slim Shady, but the one before that. It was My Name Is by Eminem. And I was enamored by it. I mean, mostly because, you know, I, I lived a pretty sheltered life. And so I was like, oh, like they're, they're cussing in this song. Like my, my, my little eight-year-old brain hyper-focused on that. But even beyond that, like I liked the feel of the music. I liked the beat. I liked the passion and stuff like that. And I was really into it. And my parents could tell that like, I was just so drawn to it. So what my dad did is he tried to... He didn't want me to listen to the new rap because he thought it was a little more vulgar, a little bit less, um, uh, what's the word, uh, family appropriate. So what he did is he introduced me to like his era of music. So like Sir Mix-a-Lot, Humpty Dumpty, um, Outkast, you know, like all these old school rappers. And I, and I really enjoyed listening to them. I really liked it. Run DMC. And... I don't know. Ever since then, I wanted to be a rapper. And then as I got older, I started, you know, scavenging for my own hip hop and my own music. And it just, it never really stopped. I still to this day listen to hip hop. I went through a phase where I didn't listen to it at all. And I don't know why. I, I think I was just kind of going through like a, like a transformation and a change. But I always find myself going back to hip hop as a means to ground me. So, right. and I can't, and it's weird because I didn't choose one day to be interested in hip-hop I, I you know like peterson talks about that like your interests just kind of grab you and you don't really have a choice i was just the interest of hip-hop was bestowed upon me at birth or something like that and and it, it's not really something i have control of maybe it's the fact that uh, it's your also your other way that you can communicate um that comes out and um if you guys don't know there's like different versions uh, of it's like a hip hop is more like a stylized like a rhythm um, music right you now and there was like the golden age of hip hop and that was like the early 90s and that's, that's like the Beastie Boys Ice T yeah. Ice Cube yep. uh, Public Enemy Big Daddy Kane mm-hmm. um, all that good stuff and um, <clears throat> with me as a, a chick 
you know i like i said when when, when i tell people that i like hip-hop they assume that i have like tattoos and i talk like Car- cardi b and i'm like What's that? you know <laughs> well in my opinion she's not hip-hop but that's okay <laughs> no she's not no she's not so they think that i like little kim and for example and um uh, the brats uh even eve for example i grew up during that time listening to these women and uh the and maybe it's just my shadow that i want to be because i grew up very uh not not shelter i didn't grow up shelter it's more like uh my the religious teachings that my parents taught me about buddhism you know um i think that kind of like ground me a little bit and kind of um control that you know side of myself and this is where you know i grew up I grew up seeing like <clears throat> Missy Elliott. I think you remember, I think the song is called The Bitch. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think Missy Elliott's one of the greatest women to ever touch the mic, in my opinion. One of the greatest rappers. Thank rapper. you. And so she came out. And so, and and uh, another favorite uh, female rapper that I, I like seeing was uh, Left Eye. She's from the Teal. She's from Teal. She's brilliant as well. Yeah. <laughs> and so she came out, and um, I. I I think like the first hip hop that I ever really really kind of got into was was the uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony mm-hmm. was my favorite and um, <clears throat> I think where I think it's like my mom knew that it was not a good influence for me uh, because you know I I you know I went around the house I don't know if you know Heather Heather B she was like the old school like nineties. You know, and I was like, yeah, I was going around, <laughs> I was going around the house and I was like, you know, with my not puberty voice, I was like, <laughs> never let a sentence or a verse incomplete. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was and they're like, like, this can't be, this can't be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, que- I question that rhetoric as to whether or not hip hop is actually bad for people, because the one question I always pose to, to parents who don't like their kids music as well, you know, did, did your parents like your music? And the answer is almost always ultimately no. It's 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 like ju- juvenilia. You're always worried that the next generation is doing something wrong because it's not what you did, and what you did worked for you, and you survived, and so they should be doing what you're doing. But I don't think that's actually the right way of looking at it. Yeah, you have to remember that my parents were not boomers. No, they it's were, the same with my yeah, parents. Like yeah. I said, my dad tried to sh- tried to get me to listen to his hip hop, but I just yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like with, with me, I'm, I'm laughing and thinking about my mom and her impression. Like, I came home one day and, and I was like listening, was rapping <laughs> Heather B and shit. And I was like, I don't get mad. I get heated. I had to wreck the ones that wanted to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Just like and going around like saying these things. And my mom was like, what are you saying? I was like, I don't give a damn if no one likes me. <laughs> That is so funny. I think my parents used to do. My parents were the same way. They used to make fun of my hip hop obsession. Did you ever listen to Nelly when you were a kid? <coughs> Sorry. Yes, I did. What is he, by the way? Like, as far like, as like what? It, what like, is he like Nelly brought like a different version? Okay, so I'm okay. inter. I I think for whatever reason I love Southern rappers. I don't know why. Um, like Yellow Wolf. Yellow Wolf is a, a Southern rapper. He, yeah, I like Yellow Wolf. I would say more like I'm into like guys like Big Crit, um, you know, Lil Wayne, uh, Outkast. I'm pretty sure Big Boy is not actually from the South, but Andre 3000 definitely is. And but it's weird because hip hop is one of those weird genres that fragments into a bunch of different other little subgenres. Right. So um, I think that's actually one of the unique aspects of it. It's also I think the only music that encapsulates all other types of music in one style. You know what I mean? Cause you can actually like hear samples from other 
genres and you can hear inklings of, of, of techniques used in other genres. And I, th- I think that might have been also what I really liked about it. It was kind of like an integral type of music. Yeah. And, and what we're talking about, if you don't know hip hop, is there's there's the West Coast, there's right. East Coast, and there is Southern rap as mm-hmm. well. So there's even a thing called uh, Neil Soul is another one that's really. I never um, heard that. What is that? So Neil Soul, you know, Lauren Hill. Yeah, it's I know Lauren yeah. yeah, so like pretty much those type of music where they mix a little bit like R&B and soul music to hip hop. And that came like about in the 90s. And so it's like a revolution of music that came about. And uh, the, now when I was in college, and if you guys don't know this, I went to college for music as well. I wanted to be a music teacher. And then uh, oh, we study hip hop. We study hip hop. So we we study classical music. We study hip hop. We study pop. There was like different versions of it. And of course, there's the beautiful debate that Ben Shapiro said that hip hop or rap is not music because there's no rhythm to it. That's one of the I think it's actually music. predicated on entirely on rhythm. And that, I think it's the exact opposite. I think I think hip hop is the most rhythmic genre of music. Right. And well, we have to think that Ben Shapiro, he is classically music trained too. Right. So maybe that's, that's why, but I don't know. I think it's, it's like hip hop has influenced the both of us and it made um, us the way that we are. I don't, I'm not saying that all, you know, that's the only music that will make you grow. I mean, of course there's rhythm and blues that came about, you know, with, um, uh, Big Mama Thoron is another one. Bessie, I think her name, her name is Bessie Smith. Janis Joplin, all those music that you listen to, right. it's it's a revolution of it. But majority of hip hop came from, um, you know, during the eighties, really, um, in New York. That's when it started to grow. And 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 I think it kind of relates to you don't have to be the thing. The thing that I hate growing up when I when I saw a lot of the freestyle people who freestyle on the streets. I don't know if you did that, uh, Connor, and when you grew up. But we had rap yep. battles in the yeah, streets. We did. In the streets, right? We didn't and do them in the streets. We, me and like my friends would sit in our car and drink forties and freestyle the beats and stuff like that. But not, not actually like in yeah. the streets competitively. No, I, I, I think it's it's absolutely beautiful in my personal opinion. Like I see all these rappers, you know, they were just going about in the streets, and it's uh, it's like poetry to me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's 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 people coming together and and you know, finally telling the stories of how we grew up. But the thing that I hated the most was that a lot, I, I, do you know that, um, what's his name? Biggie. So there was Biggie and Tupac, you know, like the rival between the two. If you guys have a chance to work the documentary, it's really interesting. There's a lot of conspiracy theory, which I'm not going to be talking about today, but, uh, Biggie grew up middle-class by the way, yep. his mom was yep. a very educated teacher. And then he talks mm-hmm. about, I think one uh, lyrics, he said that he was living under the, you know, he was talking about, you know, being in a box and, you know, things like that. And it turns out it was just his room. He had a small room and he was pissed off about it. <laughs> so, and his yeah. mom had a house, you know, and it, it's, I don't, I don't like rap now. I'm not saying that um, I don't like the way that it looks I, I, like what it hears, like Cardi B and stuff like that. Maybe it's just right. me. Um, but uh, maybe that's just my taste, but I really like the old school version of it. Of course, you know, Beastie Boys came out with their new. Um... <laughs> okay. So anyways, it's just that our, it's our, it's a way for us to express ourselves. I don't rap, by the way. 
Right. I don't rap. I write a lot of poetry. Well, you were talking about the new rappers, and it's like, you know. It's like Cardi think- B. It's like Cardi. There, okay, there's <clears throat> Cardi B. There is Nicki Minaj that came Nicki out. Nicki Minaj, um, though, is one of the greatest female rappers who ever lived. Like, she actually can rap. I don't think Cardi B can actually rap well. She's like, uh, I think, well, I can't really say that Cardi B is bad for females per se because I don't we had think Trina. That. Yeah. You remember, remember right. Trina? Okay. Yeah, so Superhead. Trina- Superhead, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trina. So, you know, Trina, with the music that came out in the 90s, you know, the baddest bitch, for example, it's sure. it's these <laughs> these women that came out were, you know, they're very open, they were very aggressive, and I want to be like that, like like I said. And then my mom was, like, a little bit worried because the fact that uh, it was very vulgar. You know, right. they're, they're talking about, like, their vaginas and stuff right, like that. Right, low Kim, <laughs> my neck, my back, Yeah. <laughs> All of it. And so, and so, of course, when you listen to the lyrics of rap as well, it's it's people can say it's degrading to women. You know what I mean? And so, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just it's just me, but you know, hip hop doesn't necessarily be like that because if you listen to Logic as well, Logic is really good with his lyrics as well. Mm-hmm. So it it all depends. I mean, pop has you know its version of you know, women shaking it all over, like Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and stuff like that. We grew up with Britney Spears, by the way. So she is like, she looks like she's 45 now. So, you know, she looks really bad. She looks like she's in her sixties and shit. And that's just life. That, but, well, that- but if you were, but if you were a conspiracy theorist or maybe somebody who, you know, subscribed to the, I'm not saying that I do, but some people subscribe to the idea that once a society kind of, releases their grip on sexual promiscuity and allows it to flourish that things go wrong. And and someone might even go as far as to say that all of those things that influenced us, which I listened to as well, led us to a place where cuties in, is now on Netflix, you know? Ew. So, some people might say that. <laughs> so what do you think about that? Cuties. What do I, what, well, I think yeah. it's, the, it, I think it's a unifying issue between everybody that it's objectively horrible. Um, the thing that irks me about it or, or strikes me as really odd is that the people who made that show had to sit and watch 600 girls under the age of 13 twerk and do sexual dances for hours on hours on end. And I just can't imagine how a person could do that without realizing at some point, maybe this isn't a good idea. And and then, and then for Netflix too, to double down and defend them. I mean, I, I think that speaks to a weird... I don't know. I think people really want to try to be as tolerant as they possibly can to everybody. And I, but I think cuties is where tolerance goes too far. I think there's a certain level where tolerance becomes um, problematic. And I think that's a good marker is right, right right there. And it's a good example. And, and nobody disagrees. So it's, you know, we're, we're all talking about it, but we really shouldn't be because we all agree that it's, it's not a good thing. So it's, it's, it's weird that issues that, are actually pretty unifying become the biggest kings of discussion. And it's, it's really with, uh, so with the cuties, I, I don't have Netflix because it, I knew that it went a little bit too far. It had like a lot of sure. SJW comedians. It does. I wish you could, I wish you can, we can define SJW. So for, for some people that don't know what that is, but, um, so, so there's a scene in it where the little girls are dancing and they are 11 years old i believe yeah 11 11 12 that age 
And uh, I don't know if you guys watched the music video of Nicki Minaj uh, on Anaconda. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a scene in there where they do that dance move. You know, these are 11 year olds. Aren't they like, I don't, I don't remember that specific video right off the top of my head, but weren't they like fully dressed and not actually twerking though? I, I, I don't know. I mean, all I know is that, the, well, the little girls are, are not, they're not fully dressed per se, mm-hmm. uh, but there is boobies that did show in there. With little girls? Yeah, little girls and cuties. What? Yes. Yes. There is what? the if you look at the description, do do you guys oh have Netflix? You have um, Netflix. I had Netflix and I joined the bandwagon of of canceling it. So I do not anymore. Yeah, so it's uh right there with like minor. Uh if you look at the description. Oh, but do you remember Missy Elliott music videos? Like there were little girls who used That's to true. dance on there, but it was it was different. They were break dancing. They weren't but you know. That's a weird line because breakdancing is also kind of like it's it, it embodies a lot of movement and stuff like that. It's it's just, but I think it's like um what did that famous judge say? He said I don't. He said I can't define what porn is, but I I know it when I see it. You know when I yeah. And that's kind of like what this cuties thing is. Is like we all see it, even though we can't define where that proverbial line is. We can all see that it's been crossed. Right, and it's uh. The thing that bothered me the most is there was a scene in there where the little girls were trying to get on the stage or something, like a dance building of some sort. And it was like a bunch of old men, uh, not old men, but like middle-aged dude that were like security guards and they didn't let them in. And she goes, what are you, a pervert or something? And then she goes, look, we're dancers. And then she just start twerking in front of him. What? Yes. Did you watch the full movie? No, no, no. Uh, you got you watch. Um, do you know who Blair Wright is? Blair, yeah, Wright. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Blair so Blair Wright. Wright did a a a video on it, and she did show a little bit of scenes, and she sent it, uh, not sent it, but she uh had like little clips of the movie, and it that's what she did, and he, she had to like censor a couple of those scenes that was really disturbing, sure. um, but you know that it's bad when it's rated R on a kid show, like with a bunch of kids in it. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. What? It's like, wait, yeah. what? I don't know. You, you know, to me, so I don't necessarily subscribe to the conspiracy theories that say that because of this whole Epstein thing, elite, the elites are trying to normalize pedophilia. So they're rushing to put these documentaries like I pedophile on Amazon and cuties on Netflix and stuff like that. I don't know if I subscribe to that entirely. I think that might be just be like slightly over the top, but who knows? You know, I'm, it's, it's on the table for sure. But I think ultimately what it really speaks to is what I said earlier is that people want to be so tolerant that they're willing to sell their truth and their morals. Like I know people who I love, like who I'm very close with, some of the people that I'm the closest with, who really truly believe that if a person of color is telling them something and they know that the person of color is saying something that's wrong, because they're a white person, they feel like it is not their place to correct them. And it's 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 wow. those ideas. Yeah, I know people like that who I really love as people, who are good people and have been there for me, and I would trust them with my life, who really believe those things. And I think it's a sentiment of the time. Like those things are the same ideas that lead to documentaries like Cuties, which is where we're, tr- we're all trying to be like accepting and tolerant, but I don't think I just don't think they're the tolerance is the ultimate virtue. Like you, there are some things you shouldn't tolerate. 
You know what I mean? If you're if you're an employer for a job, you wouldn't tolerate somebody who's not qualified. That's 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 you being intolerant of somebody because they're not qualified for the position. That's a good form of intolerance. So it's like need, hiring yeah. somebody. Yeah, like it's like hiring somebody because of their color of their skin. It's not like racist in a way. Right. Like it's it's not okay. It's it's I think like as a person myself, and if you guys Connor obviously is a white boy, right? White boy. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> you know, it's like and I'm a person of color. You can't we're both content creators. Um I don't think that it will be right for Connor to not be himself um to to conceal his 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 wisdom and his talent to the world so my dumb ass could you know step over him because it's just not right to me i i don't know where i got that sensation from i mean i like i said i grew up pretty much rough and stuff like that. i i i felt like i got cheated on life per se but that's just that's my 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 cards that i got dealt with though and I think it's my cross to bear. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, Connor, did you grow up like um like middle class? Yeah, no, I'm above yeah. middle class. My parents were had money. Yeah. So, and and the, the I don't I'm not mad at Connor for that though. And I think with the whole, I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't think that's right. I don't think you should be mad at Connor. I don't think you should be mad at Connor's parents. I don't think you should be mad at anybody, period. It sure. happens. This is the cards that you got dealt with. Sure. We agree that some people really, really grew really rough. We, right. we totally understand that circumstances stuff really kind of gets them down. Um, mm -hmm. I totally understand that. But there are, are stories, and I'm, I'm not saying that everybody's going to be like a success or the next Elon Musk or the next Jeff Bezos. But I just don't think that just because a person was raised a certain way i mean it's like a certain class that you should be like you go and kill them and take their their shit their property like the kulaks did with enduring i think it was like linen under linen's russia i i don't know maybe it's just wrong maybe it's just me being me i don't know i i just don't think that's that's cool you know what do mean? you feel like there was ever a crossroads for you where you could have gone in the direction of the sjw or, or or the person who isn't isn't the boon that we know today i mean do, do you feel you like know that what could I think happen? It is? you know what i think it is connor i think it's because i i know what liberalism is i think mm. it's, it's that um you remember when i told you about uh my name and how you know uh, the the it, like I said, it's in Cambodia. I would have been like a rank. You, your name is 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 your rank. Where how how in the United States of America, it's your your content of your character that right. gets you into positions, right? And so I think with me, and I highly recommend everybody to do this is to put yourself in the position of somebody in like a third world country. Like for example, in India, they have a caste system. And you don't know how lucky we are to be in the United States of America. I mean, look at two people of different classes hanging out, podcasting. That's right. America. You right. know what I mean? That's America. Well, you're, 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 um, and two different races. Now. You yeah. know? Two different races, exactly. And I don't see, I don't see Connor as the white boy. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm, I'm very harsh on Sam Harris. I'm probably a little too harsh on him, but he once said something that is so brilliant. He said, with any luck, your group identity will be the least interesting thing about you. And I couldn't possibly agree more. It, it like, it's like, 
The fact that I have green eyes tells you literally zero about who I am as a person. Just like anything else that you can, the fact that I have, you know, white skin or, 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 or brownish blonde hair. It's just like, you can't attribute anything to me because of those immutable characteristics. And I, like, like you were saying just a minute ago, that's really what the, the, the principle that our country was founded on. And, and I believe that we should try to continue that, although it, it doesn't seem like it's working out too well, but I, I think I, I ultimately do. I have hope though. I think some force will inevitably come that will, that will wake people up. I yeah. Really it's like they, they talk about like the, the, uh, the unconscious collective basically, or the collective unconscious and where we're going to like a different level. And then like, I keep bringing this up, Terrence McKenna, he had a lecture uh, where he talks about he, what, who we are as humans. And he said that we we're going to be uh, going through a time of change. And um, he said it perfectly, you know, we don't know the answer to it, but we try to do the best that we can and try to like move humanity forward. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. I want to practice what I preach. I can't, you can't say, uh, you can't say that you are a party of compassion. You can't say you're a party of kindness and you're like, oh, fuck the white boy. You can't say that. It doesn't work right. that way because that person, the other person, uh, the, the whites or whatever they want to call them, it's they have, you know, they have characteristics, they have feelings, they have emotions just like everybody else. You can't blame. Uh, what is dirting, by the way? Is that what we're, we're uh, your, your pretty- family line? I'm pretty okay, confident right. it, that the name itself is German, but I'm according to Ancestry.com, I'm mostly Scandinavian. Yeah. So, oh. I mean, what is? I mean, it, the the first people that came here in the United States were from England, right? The little colonists. Really, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's if it, how absolutely racist that is to assume that all white people are the same. I mean, it, they have white skin, sure. I go, but I've met people from Argentina that have white skin too. See, that's the racist part. Well, just like just like whiteness, you know, whiteness fragments into a bunch of different nations, and so does blackness, and so does like light skinness. I mean, you can. There's so many countries that encapsulate people who are light skinned There's so many countries that encapsulate people who are black, and there's so many countries that encapsulate people who are white. It's just like, I don't know. If if Martin Luther King was alive today, I mean, he would he would literally be disgusted by the way that we are playing this game of identity politics. And I think, I think the, the kind of like you were saying to reiterate your point, the only way out of it is, is to identify as an individual because, and why would you want to be identified as anybody else? I mean, unless, unless you're, unless your being lacks so much substance that the only thing you can identify with is a group that decides how you think and thinks for you, why would you want to be defined in any other way? I mean, th- there's, there's so many things about Boone that are cool that literally have nothing to do with with your skin color, you know? Not not to say that your skin color and and your lineage isn't cool, you know? It just means that the most cool things about you are the parts that don't have to do with that. Exactly. Like if you put me and Connor in the desert, he'll burn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the mark of Cain. Just kidding. Be, he's gonna be all red. I'm not. That's it. It happens, okay. And it's right. just like I don't know what's what's going on. Like I said, it's and let alone it's like um, it's like a class thing too. Well, um, you remember when Nick Cannon said that, right? He was like saying that black or white people burn because or or, or well, he actually didn't say this. That's what Afrocentrists say is that because white people burn, that's because they were marked by God because they were the the Canaanites, the evil ones. And then Nick Cannon literally just went on his podcast the other day 
and said that because white people were grew up in or, or were propagated in places where it was winterous, that they're actually closer to animals. What? Did you hear them say that? No, let me try to look. Oh, he says, um, oh my God. What did he say? He said white people are closer to animals yeah. and savages. Yes. And he said, uh, let me find the quote. Nick Cannon on being white. Big difference between humor and hatred. And uh, he did. I'm looking at a picture of him right now wearing a white face, dressing like a white dude. And I guess that's that's okay for it, his. It is okay. I think it's funny. I just don't. It's the comments I have a problem with. I don't have a problem with Dave Chappelle pretending to be a white newscaster. That's hilarious. I mean, <laughs> you know. It's so it's so freaking good. I can't even believe it. But it, it it's it's like when you, yeah, it's 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 the double standard that really bothers me. Yeah, and it, it's it's he said something. Like, I, I think he was talking about like Louis Farrakhan. So Louis well, he also Farrakhan. yeah, exactly. He was referencing, and he also made some very, pretty anti-Semitic comments as well. I think that's what got him in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was the weird thing is that it was the anti-Semitic comments that got him in trouble, but not the blatantly racist comments against white people. <laughs> I, oh yeah, he was saying something uh, along the line. I'm I'm reading the the the, the quote. He said that um, that the the melon the the like the okay. So if you look at my skin color compare it to to Connor, my skin is really my I'm tan, and that he said the darker the skin color, the more compassionate and kindness you are, you're kind mm. you are. Whereas you're white, it's not it's not there. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? I was like. What are you saying? And this is where, this is where I started my other podcast called the Agora. So I invited Connor to be one of the moderators, and he he's he's like, sure, I'll I'll do it. We're gonna have guests where it's uh, very controversial. We're gonna talk about stuff like this that um, we have to let those people speak their ideas. And this is where right. I think um, maybe a lot of people call themselves liberals, but they're not necessarily liberals. They don't know the principles of it, and that's free speech. Mm-hmm. Now we're me and Connor are not saying for you to go out there and say, "Fuck the police," you know, in front of cops. Right. We're not saying we're not saying that. But what we're saying is, is that um, some of these people have these ideas that need to be challenged, and that's the sure. daily discussion you guys had. That you had that that saying that on your stuff that even the best ideas get challenged, right? And so we need people like that, like Nick Cannon stuff, to come out, say what you have to say, and then we'll challenge it, and don't cancel each other over that and actually listen to what the other person is saying. Right. And I wish that people are not scared uh, to come out and say those things. And I right. think that we are, I don't know what happened since 2016, but even having right. guests that, uh, like, I want to have a national communist on. I know you're like, national communist? I want to have him on. But the things that he say is going to be very controversial. Right. You know what I mean? And you can and learn I, a lot from that. You know, I also have a big problem with people who say that with, with people who don't understand that people have a right to change their opinion over a period of time or that people have a right to have weak moments where they say the wrong thing in the wrong moment. Um, I, I, you know, like uh, take, for example, um, like Tulsi Gabbard, you know, Tulsi Gabbard was pretty openly against gay marriage like 20 years ago. That's two decades ago. And and she's come out and said now that she she realizes that she was wrong. And I and I'm not one of those people that think people are so phony that they would just say what they need to say to to survive in the moment. I'm sure there's people who do that, but I would prefer to give people the benefit of the doubt. 
as long as they haven't given me any other reason to believe that they're lying. Right. So I it's, think it's, people, yeah, yeah go ahead. we live like in a, a, a time where you are for us or against us, period, black and white. That's it. You're either for us and you agree with everything that I say, or you are against us. And if you disagree with that, that's, that's it. And I don't, did you know who is uh destiny and Vosh? Destiny and Vosh. It kind of sounds familiar. Okay. But so I'm Destiny not- and yeah, sure. yeah. So Des- Destiny and Vosh are uh, left wing. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Destiny is like like far left, but he's he's on that spectrum. And Vosh is, I believe, he openly comes came out as a communist. And they were they were talking about the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, yeah, well, I know yeah, that is. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think Destiny was pretty much on the side of Kyle. Mm-hmm. And say that, hey, if a lot of people come up against you and attack you, then you have the right to shoot and defend yourself. And then sure. Vosh was like, no, this, that's not right. You know, this Nazi was, he, he was, you know, he's, he went there and, and start shit with people and that's not right. And then people wanted to cancel Destiny. And that's what I'm talking about. It's weird. I don't know what's going on, Connor. And if you have an answer for it, that'd be great because I don't know what the hell is going on at all like what you know it's like even me liking i know that uh you disagree with ubi well i don't think you like very i don't yeah but like i don't i don't think you are like um totally against it but you you know i think i've actually changed my tune a little bit in the last six months um i think that there should be some level of social safety nets for people who are not capable of being competent in certain areas. And also maybe even people who are apathetic to, to be competent in those areas. That's not to say that we should reward people for being incompetent or being lazy. It's just saying that there are some people who for whatever reason can't transcend that and, and they shouldn't, we shouldn't leave them to rot. Um, in my opinion, that, that I don't know if that necessarily means I'm a proponent of UBI or not. It just means that I think that there, there's some, there's at least something we could do for those people, um, and maybe maybe we could do something for those people and keep them afloat while also giving them the encouragement to try to be better. And I don't know if that that exists yet, but I think it could happen. Yeah, and and I think you posted something uh, before, and uh, that's what that's what I like about following you too. You post like really awesome questions, um, and it gets people get gets the conversation going. And uh, I think one person was saying something about UBI, and a lot of people thought it was pretty funny. But the way that he came at people, that's the issue. If you are a person who's a yin gang, or you know, if you're a Marxist, don't be a dick. You know, <laughs> so right. don't yang gang. Don't, <laughs> Yang gang or die, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, it's like, come on, dude. Just talk to people and right. have this conversation going. And 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 he Connor said it perfectly. It's when automation comes comes in when people starts to when people start to be replaced with robots. There's going to be people that's going to be left behind, and that's mm-hmm. that's where I kind of agree with UBI. I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense because yeah. we can't move forward in a very fast way i think um i don't know if you agree with me but i we're experiencing our fourth introduction in our industrial revolution a fourth generation a fourth you know uh progression and it's gonna leave people behind either we do something about it 
or we just let people rot. And uh, it's just not right for me. Maybe it's just my thing and, and, and my compassionate side or my female brain or whatever. It's like okay. whatever. But it's like, I don't think that's cool. You know, like the trunking, like people are truck drivers. My brother-in-law is a truck driver. You know what I mean? And if he gets replaced, then what job is there for him if there's nothing there for him? And we, I totally agree with a technological advancement. I totally agree with going up to space and things like that. But at the same time, let's think about us here in on earth and try to figure out a way for us to take care of each other. In, in like, like we don't have to like, I think the, the, the outdated thinking is, uh, you know, um, pick yourself in the bootstrap and, you know, I, I understand what people are saying with like AOC saying that shit because she used to be a bartender and then she's like in right. Congress now, sure. but that's not everybody. Does that I think that's good for people who want to aspire to be better, you know, but right. it's not, but not everybody, some, some people don't want to aspire to be better. And I don't think there's a problem with that. I think it's okay to be happy with what you have. Right. Right. So, and for those people, they shouldn't have to suffer because they're happy with what they have. Because I think being happy with what you have is actually a great virtue. Right. And I'm the same way. I wish that I uh, live in a smaller house. Like, you ever seen those cute little tiny houses? I know it's just a girly thing. That it's tiny funny. houses. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I want like- one. I actually really want one. <laughs> it's just like, I would love I to put to. one on the top of a mountain and just live my life and grow it's crops like, and fuck hunt everybody. for caribou. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like fuck everybody. I'm just gonna live up here. Yeah. And, me, and with me, I think um, I don't know what state did. I think it's Oregon. But why are we not thinking about tiny houses? Why are we not thinking about the little house revolution? Uh, right. I mean, not nobody. Not they don't need that much. So um, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but Connor moved to Idaho. He was in I Washington. The, yeah, in Washington. Did you live like in the city, or did you live out? Oh in yeah, my uh, and you know I'll just I never announced this anywhere else. Uh, because it was, it's only been a day, but uh, my girlfriend and I just got engaged yesterday. Aww. And um, yeah, and, and we, we actually just moved from Ballard, which is like the heart of Seattle, kind of. It's not like Capitol Hill where all the real riots are going on, but we just moved from Ballard to Nampa, which is like 20 minutes north of Boise in Idaho. And, um, and part of the reason why I left is because I saw a trend happening in Washington that I wasn't a big fan of. You know, Washington used to be so much more than it is today. It was a beautiful state. Uh, if you're an outdoors person, it's still a great place to go. Um, but it just, I saw it going down the path of totalitarianism and I couldn't help but feel like something bad was going to happen. Oddly enough, and I'm not making like a declaration of clairvoyance or anything. I didn't know this was going to happen. But seven days after I left, the entire state caught on fire. Uh to the point where my parents had to evacuate their house for like four days. They're back in now, so it's, it's all clear. But um, yeah, I, we're, we're officially settled in Idaho. I'll, I'll tell you one thing that I did notice. People are a thousand times more friendly here. And I think there's something to be said about that. I think there's something to be said about people living in places where there's less people, where it's less congested, where you're not just another face. You know, people see you see see us here like our neighbors offered us to help us move into our place when we when they saw us bringing our couch in and stuff like that that doesn't happen in Seattle because there's so many people that you're just you're 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 in like you're basically like a number mm-hmm. you're another number you're like you're like the hundredth person I've seen today but that's not it's not like that out here it's different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the beauty do you feel a lot better mentally wise 
You know, I got sick when I first got out here and I feel like that was like a good distraction from the homesickness. And Mm -hmm. once I got over my actual sickness, I was like, okay, the homesickness is kind of gone. So I, no, I'm I'm really happy here. I like it. And, you know, like, okay, so we're friends. So I'm going to be a little bit honest with you. Yeah. When I noticed, when I noticed you back in February, you start to have anxiety attacks again. Remember? What happened? Like what happened? Yeah. What happened? Like what made you start to be a little bit anxious because I think you did like a, um, uh, I think Isaac made his first appearance. I think it was like the daily archetype and you were on there and I could just tell you were anxious. So what made you kind of went boom? Because I I believe you said that you didn't have anxiety attack before. So what what happened? Did you eat the wrong chips or something? (laughs) That's funny because I, I'm sure you can tell that I seem a lot more calm now, but when, when the coronavirus first started, I was every day at at the end of my shift, I was like, okay, well, like, let's look up breaking news on Google and see what's up. Because I was, you know, as someone who's lived through like Ebola and mad cow disease and bird flu and all these other things, swine flu, I really believed that this was going to end in like two weeks. They were going to, they were going to say, oh, it's not a big deal. Or, or we came up with this, this vaccine or something like that. And I just thought it was going to be over. Right. And that I just kept checking the news every day, waiting for that to happen because I was so used to that because that's what happened every other time this happened in my life. And it, it didn't happen. It kept going on and it kept getting worse. And I was like caught up in this media cycle where I really believed that people were going to start dropping like flies. And then I, but I actually think it was good for me because I lived in the security blanket my whole life where I really didn't, you know, I never really faced any, any threats of death. You know, I was, I was very safe. I lived in the, I lived in safe neighborhoods. I didn't, you know, have any family that had had any diseases or died or anything. I I still, to this day, don't have anybody in my life who I'm really close to who has ever died. Knock on wood, you know? Um, But I just, it it started. And so I, I feel like it affected my psychology. I was like, okay, well, like I could die. My family could die. Like my friends could die. Like anyone could die. Now enough time has gone on that I can see that people aren't dropping like flies and it's, it seems to just be affecting a certain, a, a certain sector of people. And I, and that's, it's very sad for them. Obviously I, I have sympathy for all those people and anyone who's had issues with people in their lives who've, who've dealt with COVID, but I, yeah, it was a, it was a major shock for me. And now I feel like because of that, I'm more prepared for facing danger and that's just made me like a more well-rounded person in general. And, I, and I'm actually really glad that all this, no, well, I'm not glad that anyone has died from COVID, obviously. For, at a personal level, I think this whole situation has been really good for me. Um, to see that life is kind of flimsy. Life is fleeting. You know, it's not always, it's not guaranteed that you're going to make it to tomorrow. And I think that's important to remind yourself. I think that's important to think about every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, uh, and then after that, uh, Connor disappeared for a little bit offline. And so as a person who's very observant, I was a little bit worried about him. And so I was checking on him. And I was like, you know, hey, man, you know, when you're you going to come back? <laughs> it's like, hey, yep. man, when are you going to come back? And you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a break for a little bit. I remember you took a break offline for like a month, yeah. I believe, a month. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't the same. I, I Like I said, I, I don't. I'm starting. I I believe that Connor's going to be the friend that that's going to be. We're going to be friends for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But I just Absolutely. felt that it wasn't. It wasn't like 
the Connor that I talked to when I first, because I think you and I first made our appearance together on uh, Mindwave, right? On yep. liberalism. Yep. And so I got to know Connor a little bit and Connor's very, he likes to talk. And he said, he he's open about that. He likes to talk. He likes people talking to him. He just likes to talk, 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 talk. But then, then we have quiet Connor and we we're like, okay, I knew I was like, something's wrong. And so I was a little bit worried about him. And then he announced that he was, he's going to be back. And I've always pushed Connor and I'll always be the person that's going to push him to succeed. And to, when it comes to his content, I believe that um, it was like a, I don't know, we have a little podcast gang going on. He was like, he was like the, <laughs> the, the, the star among us, if that makes sense. And it was missing. And it was not, it, I don't know. It's just, that's pretty much how I felt. And so when he moved, he's back again and he's like i'm happy i'm and it's just this is what we're talking about when it comes to like living in cities and i think this is where uh, I, I forgot what it's called i think it's the the mice experiment experiment where yes the, the, like the utopian you know like everybody's together and yep. i think that's kind of it, it it got to connor because washington is really is it was it congested where you were at like really, it was really so bad. congested and it was just like people the, the crime was getting worse and people were becoming more cold i don't know if you've ever heard of the seattle freeze but uh it, it's it's just the idea that like people lack vitamin d and so they're really mean it got worse because of all this right. stuff so yeah i, I right. definitely noticed a trend that was happening and, and and like i said when i was when i was little washington was not washington now it was so different right, right. and uh and I think yeah. uh, uh, the first case in Washington was too close to Connor. By the way, I remember. Well, that. the first it, case, yeah. in, the first outbreak in America was in Washington. Right. <laughs> so Grounded. I was like, I was like, I was like, we're all gonna die. Just the God come take us now. But like, I, you know, obviously that that didn't happen. We, I actually feel like it was good for us to get hit with that first blast because we were able to take such a proactive um, account. What? You, how, how are you feeling about this whole COVID thing right now? By I think the way? we caught it already. To be honest with you, I, I think, think I so back, too, dude. I really I think it's do. Like, I, I think I caught it back in uh, like January. You remember when I went? To, no, we weren't friends. Yeah, yeah, we were friends already. I think it's like when I went to Tonopah, and uh, when I went to, when I landed in Tonopah, mm-hmm. I felt sick. It felt like yeah. it wasn't like the flu. It wasn't the cold. It was something. Did and you have a sore throat? Was, yes, I had a sore yeah. throat. My stomach hurt. Um, I was like really like like the, the i'm a dark person but then i became like really pale in mm. in, in tonopah like like tonopah nevada it's like full white like all white and i fit in just fine <laughs> yeah. that's, how, that's how sick i was and yeah. it, it, i think i caught it already i think it came come on the virus broke out in wuhan in november and you're telling me that the virus barely came to the United States of America in February and March. Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, okay. I think all of us caught it already. Maybe we're immune to it. Maybe we are. I think we, you and I get a yes. lot of hope too, because we're very, uh, we're not, we, we're not rejecting COVID, but we think the whole restriction thing is kind of getting dumb. Right. You know what I mean? Well, like, I think even, even if, I think you're right. Most people have gotten it. And even if we haven't, I think that the, we're ultimately all going to get it. And the only way to figure out whether or not you're going to be one of the people who make it, as insensitive as that is to say, is you just have to get it because you're going to get it. I mean, unless unless you can somehow stay in your house for so long and just like be in a bubble that you know you're 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 cut off from all the 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 germs from outside for for so long that you can do that. I I don't see that as very a very plausible 
thing to do or a very rational thing to do, especially with, with what we know now. Like we know now that like most people survive. Even most people who have underlying health conditions survive. But, and the majority of the people who have it have underlying health conditions. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be careful. You know, I think that there are certain things we can do. But yeah, to me, I think everyone who, like you said, either we've all gotten it or we are all going to get it. Right. And uh, I think my area, it's ground zero now uh, in Fresno. So we are the one in California. But the fire, it's making, it's a distraction pretty much. And, and let alone the elections coming up in, in November. So that's going to that's gonna be more. So you're in Idaho. Is that red? A red state? Oh, yeah. It's it's like uh, the wild, wild west out here. You You can... I mean, even though all the stores say you have to wear a mask, like you can, everyone in there, like there's tons of people in there who don't wear them. You, people yeah. do what, what they want here. Right. And it's it's uh, the same thing over here. There's some people wear masks, some people don't. And then you have like the mask officer Karens and shit that's going to tell you what to do. And it's just, it's ridiculous. Small towns are a place to be. Uh, in my personal opinion, I would rather move out the country and go to buy a land in the fucking Philippines or something on the beach, which is cheap, by the way. And you can buy and then live there and hang out with, you know, the Filipino girls and hang there because I fit in just fine. <laughs> but it's just like, that's just me and what I want to do. And it's, it's, I'm so happy for Connor that he did this. And I'm looking forward to content from you, mister. And you and BJ and I, and it's, it's going to be awesome. So when it comes to mental health, we, did you, when you talk about anxiety, did you grow up having anxiety or did you like, you know, yeah, I did. I had a lot of existential anxiety when I was a kid. Um, and I think I can actually, are you the only kid by the way? I'm the only boy and I'm the middle child. So I have an old, no, that's funny. I have an older sister and a younger sister. My it's, this is really weird. And like, I don't know, like if, if maybe someone out there has had this happen to them before, but I haven't met anybody really who's dealt with this particular issue, but I saw my cousin choking on a chicken nugget and someone had to give him the Heimlich maneuver. So from then on, I was like afraid to eat food. Like that's, I know that sounds so fucking crazy, but I was afraid to eat food as a kid because I was afraid that I was going to choke and that my airflow would be restricted and that I would die. Um, I got older and a lot of that disappeared. I didn't have anxiety from like the age of like, you know, I got, I got older. I started smoking pot. I didn't really, you know, and then eventually that led to like me listening to people like Terrence McKenna and I tried psychedelics and I was reading a lot and I was listening to philosophy lectures and stuff like that. And I just kind of, I felt like, I really felt like at a certain point that I beat anxiety. Like I, I won, like I, I, I was, I had if, they, if there was like a showdown between me and anxiety, I was the victor. And, and I told people that, like I espoused that. Like I, I was like, you can be anxiety, like you can win against it if you just do all these things that I did. And I was wrong. Like I was like, that was, that's one area where I, like, I espoused an idea that I was just wrong about. You can't control the way that your emotions are bestowed upon you. They just, they inhabit you and they, and they possess you. And, and that, that happened to me again recently. And and I'm just now like starting to get to a point in my life where I'm like, I'm over that hump again. But but the difference is this time is that I know that someday another point in time will come in my life where it might it might happen again. And but and and I'm but but that's a good thing because I'm ready for it. Like if it if it happens again, I'm ready. Do you let your anxiety attack ha- like happen, or do you try to like fight it when you have your attacks? 
You know, I, it depends. I, I, like, if it's really bad, I want to fight it. Obviously, like my my instincts are to be like, no, don't don't even look at that. Uh, B, you know, BJ taught me this, and he didn't actually teach me this. He just reminded me this, and I already kind of knew it. But there's this alchemical idea, this idea in alchemy that because people think of alchemy as like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn lead into gold, and I'm gonna get rich. It's like it's so much deeper than that. The idea of alchemy is that everything is made of substance. So like even your thoughts exist in this material world at a certain level, maybe not at every level, but at a certain level. And you can, you can transmute them into different things. So like when you're cold outside, when it's cold outside and you don't have a jacket, you can kind of just embrace the cold instead of just thinking about, I want to be out of this cold. And so I, I, BJ kind of reminded me of that recently. And BJ is so smart. Like he's, he's so, he's so good. He's such a good person to talk to. It's, 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 it's the reason why I chose him to be my partner in this endeavor. But he was like, dude, if you're sick or if you have anxiety, just, just be that, just be the anxiety while it's there and, 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 and see it for what it is. Or if you're sick and you have an illness, just, just, just embrace it and, and know that there's a reason why you're experiencing that sickness. And that's, that's really helped me um, in the last few weeks. I think the the quote that comes to mind is from Bart Marley. He said that um, some people feel the rain, others just get wet. And that's where, mm. yeah, that's where it comes. It reminds me a little bit. And uh, with BJ, uh, we both really enjoy his presence. And it's a blessing that, you know, the that I got to know Connor and BJ between the two. And like with him, I, I feel like, like I always tell him that he's just like an old soul. Like he used to be like a fucking shaman or something. Maybe he's just a Terrence McKenna reborn. We don't know. He is. He's going to be famous. Like I have yeah. no doubt in my mind that BJ, like the world needs to hear what BJ <laughs> Did you ever, say. does he, did you, I don't know if you're, uh, if he, you're going to be around him, but ask him what he wants. He said to me the other day that I thought was really weird before going to bed. I text him something and he goes, you know what? I really want my own cult. <laughs> Yeah. You know, he's working on a book right now. I don't want to like give too many details, but he's told me he was like, I'm, I'm leaving the option open in the book to where like I could make a cult out of it. And I was like, you should dude, you, you'd make a great cult leader. I think. Don't say that. And then, then he's going to be like the future down the line to listen to our podcast and they go, look at him. He committed a mass murder. (laughs) No, BJ is not going to be that kind of cult leader, man. He's going to be like the type of cult leader that loves you and supports you. Cause that's just how he is. He's a, he's a good dude. He's, he's, He's such a good dude. Like he just loves everybody. He just he loves everybody. And he, he, oh, and you know, shout out to BJ, man. He made this whole process of me moving here super easy. He picked up a couch for us before we even got here and brought, and, and he has a truck. So he helped us bring all of our big shit over. And he, dude, BJ is just one of those people that, like, it's a, he's a good person to have on your side. And I, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I owe him a lot. So he's such a sweet person. If you guys who are my audience and who are podcasters too, Please invite BJ Carpenter on your show. He's just he's, he's such a chill, lax dude. He's it, like me and Connor were very feisty in our own little ways. But with BJ, he's like, yeah, man, whatever, man. <laughs> so, oh, no. You know, BJ can be feisty, but it's all love, I don't, man. I, I haven't all. seen it. I haven't seen it that, yeah. that side at all. Like I've seen a little bit of your side and I love it. I love the, yeah. the feisty. BJ is just one of those guys that has to like think he talks. He thinks by talking. Yeah. And so like, he's always like working things out in his mind. And so like, he'll tell you the same thing like over and over again, but you know that it's not coming from a place of like him trying to be condescending or anything. He's just literally working it out as he's saying it. 
So it's right. This is where he talks about psychedelics. So, yeah. so your opinion on psychedelics is a little bit. Uh, so we have a mutual friend named Mike Williams. Shout out to him. We love you. But sometimes love Mike. Bit Mike's great. Mike's Mike's actually an admin in the daily discussion. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. Mike is really awesome, and I, I love Mike because of the fact that he's very direct, he's very honest, and he's an INTJ like me. So shout out to him. We were talking about psychedelics, and uh, I I don't know what it was oh yeah so i posted something in a group and it talks about lsd and it had ellen watts on it and then the, you know the app before and after lsd and i think mike was making the argument that not um uh, lsd is not the only way and i think we were we we're talking about that so um connor and bj did experience with what did you like magic mushroom or lsd that you did that you your psychedelic experience my so in washington it's pretty normal for like prepubescent boys to like go around and pick mushrooms and so like i had experience with with mushrooms when i was a kid or not like a kid but when i was like a teenager and um but i didn't have the proper context like this was this was me pre-mckenna or pre-jung so like i it was more like just like we were oh yeah like it's fun to take mushrooms they're they're awesome uh, then I got older and then I, I tried mushrooms and acid like pretty much in the same summer. And it was like a whole different, like once you know, like what these things are capable of, it, 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 in, it fosters a whole different type of experience. And I had those experiences. Um, but I agree with Mike at, a, at, a, at the core that not only do I think that psychedelics aren't the only way, I think that psychedelics alone are not the way at all. I don't think they can lead you anywhere other than just to give you a glimpse of something if you're lucky. Right. And it's, uh, it, it, to, to me, it's more like an, an, an assistance. Like it's not right. the pathway. It's more like, and just like I told, I told Mike, I go, I'm not saying that LSD or Molly even, or, even, or magic mushrooms is going to be like the way of, right. it's not going to turn into like a fucking yogi overnight. You know, that's not right. what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that it's, um, it's a way for us to kind of experience things. And I have never done psychedelics, guys. I'm 32. Um, and I have never done psychedelics. I have never been drunk in my life. Maybe when I did drunk philosophy, that's when I, I'm, I'm under the influence of some sort. But even then, my marijuana is not even like hardcore. You know what I mean? Like I'm still- Do you a smoke bitch. a little bit? Sometimes. But it gives me anxiety. I don't know about you. Does it do it to you? Um, You know, it depends on the strain. I, can, I have found that there are certain strains that I can buy every time and they don't give me anxiety. But, but if I try to stray away from, you know, Wiz Khalifa was on Rogan and he was saying that he only smokes Khalifa Kush, which is like his strain. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, oh, that's like so weird. Like he, he's like, he, but then he was like, you know, think about it. Like some people only drink whiskey and they don't drink anything else. He's like, if I, if I try anybody else's weed, like I, I don't like the way I feel. And that totally makes sense to me now that I've thought about it. So there are certain strains. It just depends on the type. Right. And and this is what we're trying to, to tell Mike. And I think that's what, what it was, he was trying to tell me. Uh, and, and it's miscommunication. And I'm going to have Mike on. Have you ever had Mike on uh, on your show? No, but no, we've talked about it a bunch of times. But like, you know, he's super busy with what he's doing. Mike has like a super successful YouTube channel, like thousand times more successful than any of our YouTube channels. And he talks and, to us uh, and hangs out with us. <laughs> and, it, and it's cool because he loves the daily discussion and he loves yeah. talking to us and it's, it's it's awesome. But he's just really wrapped up and really busy. I think now he has a little bit more time because of COVID. He's working from home. So I could probably hit him up and, and we maybe even see if he'd agree to do like a debate on substance use and stuff like that. But, you know, I and, and I'm not – the other day when him and I were talking, I was I was pointing out that like 
he was using a lot of anecdotes to support his reasoning. And I actually don't have a problem with anecdotes. Like a lot of logicians and people who are rationally minded, scientific empiricists, they, they would try to espouse the idea that anecdotes are no good. And I, I actually totally disagree. I think anecdotes show us that there are deviations from the general the generalities. But mm-hmm. I don't think you can build an, an argument entirely on anecdotes. And I, and I thought that's kind of what he was doing. As we progressed in the conversation, I think that we came to a point of alignment where we just agreed, kind of like we just said, that these psychedelics don't actually lead you to the place of actualization. They can give you a glimpse of where you could go, but they don't actually get you there all the way without like the discipline and the studying and whatnot. I think the only issue that we disagreed on maybe, and and Mike's not, I wish Mike was here so we could speak on this, but I think I know a lot of people who are really successful and really fulfilled people who smoke pot every day and they make like a lot of money and, and, and they're happy and they have families and they, you know, they're not like abusive or anything like that. So I think, um, I think it just comes to a point where like, you know, maybe he's experienced these people who aren't like that, who don't smoke pot or don't do any drugs or don't drink. And they're really successful. We're all, we all have different strokes. We all meet people with different situations and it doesn't mean my anecdote is right. And it doesn't mean his anecdote is right. I think further research is needed as to whether or not these like substance use regularly or even just infrequently actually disinhibits your ability to be successful or be happy. I, right. I just don't think we know that yet. Right. And this is where we're going to connect the next question. I mean, the next topic that we're going to be talking about. So that's Dr. Peterson. So recently, Dr. P- Peterson was on, uh, he was at a clinic and he he was fighting, what, uh, benzodiazepine. Um, mm. And uh, if you guys, have you ever took Xanax or anything for your, for your stuff, Connor? I don't know. Maybe like not from anything, not for anxiety prescribed. I think I took it like three times in my life. Just, right. So yeah. when I was... Um, uh, 18, 18. So I was having like an existential crisis when I was mm-hmm. 18 years old. And I'm really open about that. I have, I have no shame in that. Um, and I was going through like a lot of mood swings and this is where, uh, maybe it's the middle child syndrome. Maybe, maybe it could be just my upbringing, you know, grow, growing in the hood, right. It could be right. anything. Um, and so I was going through a breakup during that period of time so if you guys don't know breakups your first love it hurts okay it hurts a lot and so I was going through like this period in my life where I was going to college I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life which is really common for people who are like 18 years old and so I was having like really bad anxiety attacks and depression things like that so it's more like uh I was kind of forced to kind of grow up a little bit uh, during that period in my life and so I was going to therapy and so I was prescribed benzodiazepine but in Xanax so they're like different branches or like different strands of it but it's benzodiazepine and that's pretty much what happened with Dr. Peterson and he was going through a time where it was his wife who had uh, cancer mm-hmm. and that was like like last year um I think it was like 2018 no I don't remember right yeah was it? I think it was 2019 early 2019 yeah. And so I totally understand where he's coming from. And this is where my argument with with what I wanted to tell Mike as well. I wish that I could have went with psychedelics more because magic mushrooms has proven to not proven, but it's there. Studies have done that where it connects the brain 
um, the, I guess, the pathways, the neuron pathways. And we're going to have guests on foul that's going to be talking about that. And BJ did talk about that too, yeah. where it helps with the assistance of it. So like I said, I have clinical depression where it hurts every morning I get up in the morning, it hurts. And I think it was like a long time ago where I talked to B uh, Connor and I asked him, why do I eat meat and I feel happier when I just have like a vegan diet, right? I don't mm. know why, right? And so what happened with Peterson was in 2016, he was... He had a like allergic reaction at a mm. family uh, dining or something like that. I don't remember, right. but he was prescribed benzodiazepine. And a lot of people of his his opponent, not his opponent, but his, I guess his enemies were making fun of him. And you remember Sam Cedar and all that? They were making fun of him. That you know, uh, Yeah, like that. that and that was honestly, Sam Cedar to me is like a reprehensible person. Yeah, trash, trash. Yeah, <laughs> so it's trash. just like, trash. we, 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 we. we Look, it's not funny to make somebody like Peterson. He has like depression and anxiety, like really bad. So um, to break it down for you guys, what benzodiazepine is, is it's pretty much it's like one of the most widely prescribed uh, psychotropic drug. Um, and it's frequently used for patients that it's like a sedative hypnotic drug. Um, it's mostly prescribed to like kids, um, elderly, males, uh, recreational abuses and stuff like that with psychotic disturbances to help people who sleep and what happened with dr peterson was he had an allergic reaction he couldn't sleep and he was prescribed in 2016 so you guys have to remember that there's a difference between addiction and dependence totally different so the thing with dr peterson was that he was prescribed benzodiazepine and he was uh, more like psychologically dependent on the drug and so when you make when some people make the argument who are or, you mean physically yeah, yeah, they're physically dependent on it so they could uh, yes. operate, you know what I mean? Right. So you have to remember that benzodiazepine is the most, it's not the most, yeah, the most dangerous addictive drug there is because I've right. tried it and I can tell you that it does not make you, it doesn't help. It make things a lot worse. Does that make sense? It may, it may it, make, make, does it make things worse in the long term and but um, maybe better in the short term? Uh, it made me suicidal. It made me, uh, I- The moment it, you took it, like yeah. the day you took it? No, not the day that I, it takes about three, uh, a month for it to take into effect. Oh and, yeah. That's so that's what I'm yeah. saying. If you use it long-term, it yeah. doesn't, yeah, it actually right. has the opposite effect. I agree. Right. And so, uh, I even tried to commit suicide for that, from that. Now I'm, I'm not right. saying it was the drug per se, but what I'm saying, it made me like a lot worse. Right. So it didn't help. It didn't sure. help. And so, uh, you have to remember that Peterson took, took a lot of, true he has been battling depression for quite some time and it's pretty common for people who are thinkers to be depressed for us right you know what i mean like right. i don't know about you connor but with me life questions going in my brain this is why i have a podcast so it can help me think and he has been battling depression for quite some time his daughter yeah. Michaela Pearson has the same thing um so there's a difference between the two and um i think it's yeah. not not cool for people to say that he's an addict because he's not, you know what I mean? Right. It, it was legal. I think, I think depression is worse for people who are philosophically minded um, because it, al it allows that person to not only experience the depression, but to like really internalize it in a way that's uh, relevant to the outside world as well. Cause they're really, you know, it's hard to articulate, but I, I do think it's interesting what you said about, um, did you say earlier that you feel better when you eat less meat? No, when I eat more meat. Remember, I told I talked to you, Mike. Actually, I said, like, Connor, why do why do I have why do I eat meat only and I feel better? And I think it's something about like like red meat. 
You know, like the the diet that Dr. Peterson has. Yeah, yeah. That he yeah. ate. Mm-hmm. So when I eat meat, I feel better. So if you can have an explanation, like if you can have a theory as to what that is, that'd be great. Because I don't know. I don't know. That's <laughs> a tough one for me because I, when I was, in the moment in my in time where I felt like I had beat my anxiety, that was when I was vegan, and I used to say that it was because when you eat an animal, you're transferring a certain level of su- of the suffering that they experienced into your body. But I can, but I eventually started eating meat again and I still didn't have depression and anxiety. So it's hard for me to like map that out exactly. But what I do think is that part of the evolution of human beings was predicated on the cooking of meat, which allowed us to store massive amounts of calories, which, which makes sense. Okay. Well, here, here's an argument for it. There's more, there's more protein or, or there's more nutrition in meat than there is in plants. Like you, you could eat a, a six ounce piece of steak, but it would take you probably like 15, 16 ounces of broccoli to get that same level of like nutrition and satiation. Maybe the reason why that is that meat makes you feel better is because so much of our brain is predicated on our survival that when we eat meat, it's like, it's like reminding our body and our brain, like, Hey, you have everything you need. So you don't have to worry about other things. You know what I mean? It's kind of like why they say people with anxiety should eat breakfast in the morning. Because if you eat breakfast in the morning, you're kind of like alleviating half of your brain's worry that is is based on like, am I gonna is my body gonna get enough food today? Am I gonna have something to eat? Am I gonna have a meal? Which is like ninety percent of your processing power is based on that, maybe more. So that that could be it. As far as and and as far as like addiction goes, like I don't know, man. I think maybe. I have a slight dependency on pot, but like, I don't know. I got sick at BJ's house when I moved there, when I, when I moved here, when, while we were waiting for our apartment to get ready and I didn't smoke for like four days and it didn't bother me. I didn't think about it that much, but like the moment that I recovered and I'm not an all day smoker, you know, like I smoke right before I go to bed because it helps me sleep. I talked to my doctor about it. They were like, Oh, it's totally fine. And I was like, well, what do you mean? It's totally fine. I use this. I use pot every day before I fall asleep. And they were like, well, most people who can't sleep take Ambien. So like you're way better off than them. And I was like, okay, that actually kind of makes sense that you know, it's better to smoke, better to smoke a plant that grows naturally than like something that's manufactured in the laboratory with all sorts of different additives and stuff like that. But I mean, I, but, but, but here's the, here's the kicker. We're all addicted to something. Everybody is addicted to something, whether it's a person in their life that they love or it's Amazon shopping yeah. or or, or the food that they get to cook at the end of the day. Every, but we're all we're all dependent on things, and we don't like to admit that, but it's true. We're all we all rely on certain things because, and you know that because the moment that those things are threatened, you know, like somebody you love leaves you, you're you fall apart, or or the or you for some reason you check your bank account and it's negative a hundred dollars, and you don't have money to get food. You, your brain starts your mind starts freaking out. So we know really, like if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that we're dependent on things. We're just not all comfortable with admitting it. And I think that some people who are, I think the people who are more comfortable with that idea have a, have an easier time using substances like alcohol recreationally and not having to worry about themselves developing an addiction to it. Right. And, and, and like I said, there is a difference between weed and crack. Okay, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're not we're not i would rather smoke weed to go to sleep than crack so and the crack doesn't make me go to sleep by the way i've seen that 
I, I it's just you never like, know. I, There's probably like one guy out there who's like, I can't, can't, can't even get a wink of sleep without a little hit of crack, you know. Like you want to crack cocaine? It's like, and that's that's the the, the thing with with. He's with, like, honey, you know I can't sleep without a little hit of crack. Come on. Let me put in my cereal. Put my cracks in my cereal. <laughs> <laughs> just like, but it's like that. That's the the thing that's like with with marijuana. I I really don't care. It helps. It helps a lot. Um, my well, you sister, know, there's that there's THC what? derivatives in human breast milk. Really? Yeah. It's 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 to make the baby calm and to b- ensure that they're gonna want to come back for more because it makes them more hungry as well. Mm, so it's almost hard. as if we evolved with these substances to 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 help us. And that isn't now. Don't get me wrong. I would qualify that statement by saying there you can abuse them. I think any. I think you can abuse marijuana as well. There, I know people who wake up in the morning and the, the first thought that they have that inhabits them is I need to smoke pot, and I don't think that's healthy. Um, the last thing I want to do right when I wake up is smoke pot. To be honest, it's, it's it sounds awful. It's no. It's not until my day progresses until like I'm awake at night and I'm I'm, I'm ready to go to sleep that my mind is like oh like a little 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 hit little toke sounds good but there are there are ways so so i do think that certain substances we've actually evolved with and and you know like if you i was just reading uh ken wilbur's brief history of everything and you know drug use is kind of like at the core of our of our of our species like it's one of the oldest practices and, and that just makes sense because what if you're an ancient you don't have internet you don't have technology what are you going to do you're going to eat food you're going to have sex you're going to you're going to uh, raise kids, and you're going to wander upon certain things that make you feel good sometimes. So it's like the oldest thing we've ever done is is use substances. So it, to me, that that's a good argument of why it's not inherently bad. Right. And, and me growing up, seeing uh, my aunts and uncles chewing tobacco, because that's what they did. They chewed tobacco and stuff was like an addiction to them. It's like really relaxing for them to just you know, I don't know if you ever watched the National Geographic, those men with like red mouth and you know, that's what they did. And they chew tobacco, they smoke, you know, cigarettes, they I don't know, they smoke marijuana, but they did that's ayahuasca. They, yeah, and that's what they did. And it's 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 pretty much I think we lost the, the connection with nature. And I know that's pretty cliche to say, but I feel a lot better when I'm out in nature in, you know, out there. And I remember when I was in Nevada, we went to a place called Belmont, Nevada, and there was like a like Deers all over the place. There was, I think there was like a rock where the Native Americans used to draw uh, stuff. And there was like, you know, carvings of, you know, what they think about what the universe looked like. And that's what, that was us. You know, we, we came from that. And, and of course, uh, nowadays we have a lot of manufacture, uh, you know, versions of psychedelics and stuff that, that it's really harmful. I, I believe in that. Um, but it, it's now we, we are, we're depressed. You heard about the new weed? The new weed? The new weed. I just heard about it yesterday. The new weed. What's what's the new weed? Like, okay. I am not going to explain it very well because I just heard about it, but I'll try. So you know like THC, right? It's Delta 9 something. There's this new weed called Delta 8. That's what the kids are calling it. It's, it's like a derivative of, of THC. And it's legal because it just got discovered. It just got manufactured. And they can sell it in pot shops that are in, in states where it's recreationally legal. And it's it's designed to help you focus. But it, it still gets you high. 
but it doesn't, it's not like so um, debilitating that you can't also, it helps you focus is what they say. I've never tried it or anything, but like it's, it's, it's interesting how like human beings are so, um, are so enamored by altered states of consciousness that we literally go out of our way to like change drugs. Like I'm just building off what you just said to like be, have different functions and stuff like that. Mm. I'm kind of so, curious to go try it, but. So I'm looking at high times and it says that uh, Delta 8 THC creates more of an in your body sensation and physical relaxation yeah. uh, with less psychoactivity that then Delta 9 uh, D8 produces a clear high without the anxiety associated with D9. It can help people feel more in tune with themselves, more present in the mind, and it heightens the senses. I might so. switch it up. <laughs> it's like a, goes, that's what's gonna, that's what's gonna happen i'm gonna mm-mm. that sounds nice <laughs> it's like better than crack <laughs> yeah i want to feel like, more in tune with my body you know yeah i know but it's it the the experience that i want i want to experience is it's like um you know a lot of people are, are are coming to me and saying they're having mythical experiences and stuff like that but without drugs and I'm like, wow. Mm. And I think it's it's kind of it's it's becoming a common thing among what's going on. I think with the whole thing in 2020, it's like shit. And it's it's making people wake up, just like it made you yeah. um kind of, you know, experience it. And well, I don't know about the 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 stages of transformation. I don't know what age It helped me come to grips with my mortality. You know, it helped me realize that life isn't a guaranteed thing. Like you could wake up tomorrow and you you could not wake up tomorrow and I think that's a that's, I think that's important. You should really come on like the podcast with me and BJ where we teach you how to die. The 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 book of the dead. I do. I want I want yeah. to. I want to know how to die. <laughs> When I die, I want to be prepared. That's gonna be that's gonna be BJ's new cult. Hey, do you want to learn how to die? <laughs> he would be. He could be the head of that. I can see that. And you're handing out the fucking the new weed, the new strand. Here, try it out. Here's weed, and you hashtag. It's not what you think. You know. <laughs> and I, I think we're gonna be talking about that. He hasn't really given me a time because you guys are so busy with getting your content up as well but yeah he and i did plan uh the 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 book of the the dead that's going to take a long time well that's going to take a little bit of time he, he has a copy of it you should see yeah, BJ's library yeah. it's oh my god i could I spend it. an eternity in his library i mean really does he have his you own, ever like, seen you ever watched avatar the last airbender he no no there's an episode where they meet a librarian and they go to this library and this librarian is like, I could spend an eternity here. That's like BJ's library. Seriously. <laughs> it, it, he needs his own like fucking garage. Is it in his garage or is it a yeah. room in his house? No, he's got, he's got like, um, like eight or nine bookshelves, like all that are just full of books. He's got like the full Harvard classics, the, all the great books set he's got. And, and then just a bunch of other, and they're all organized pretty well too. Like he's got like new age, you know, spirituality, religion, philosophy, politics, economics, archaeology, science. Like he's got all these um, different uh, categories that he's got them all separated in. It's awesome. Wow, that's that's amazing. That that would be cool if you guys like built your little studio on that. And, and that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. surrounded by books. Yeah. That's totally awesome, and, and I can't wait for that. But if you guys have a chance, uh, you, you can fr- – I, I, okay, I, in the link in the description below – I will link you BJ's profile and you can see you should, the books yeah. behind him. He yeah. has so much books. I'm just like, 
is that necessary, bro? <laughs> it's like, you know, I was like, um, we're in the 21st century. I, mine's in my tablet. <laughs> right, right. This ain't no Kindle, you know? <laughs> it's not the same. It, it's, this it's, is real deal. He is... You have chosen. He's got books that he's got books that like survived fires in the in the eighties. <laughs> like it's it's unbelievable. I was it was like what you have books that like you weren't even born yet, bro. <laughs> Just yeah, like and he, yeah. He is what what would you say the archetype of BJ if you can. Guess. So I don't know. It, the joke that we always make is that he's Duncan Trussell and that I'm Joe Rogan. And that's I feel like true. that's actually a pretty accurate representation. Like he's kind of like all over the place, like, like just putting out all these ideas out that are great ideas. And then I'm kind of like taking it and extrapolating it and then distilling it into a, into a more grounded place. And I think that's why we complement each other. Yeah. And, 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 and you kind of guide him as yeah. he talks and, uh, and he guides me too, though. I mean, it's, it's just different. Like we guide each other, but I'm helping bring bring what he's saying down into a place where it's 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 really accessible. Right. And are you guys going to have like um guests that will come to you? Yeah, guys well you're going to be a guest for sure and Isaac and yeah, we're definitely going to have so we have a so we're 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 basically fragmented into four segments. One of them is the discourse, which is like the daily discussion where it's like just a free flow podcast. Maybe we have a topic and we just kind of bring a guest on or maybe it's just me and him. And we talk about whatever, kind of like what we're doing right now. Um, we have, uh, we're going to do book reviews as well. We're going to do lectures. And then I think our our flagship idea is the union of opposites, where, where we're going to take two extreme ideas that seem irreconcilable and then synergistically merge them into a nuanced middle ground. So like religion and science, which, you know, you think like, oh, those, those things are two totally separate entities. Where we we don't we don't we don't subscribe to that idea. We think that those two things are actually part of the same thing. Just it's it, the, the 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 similarities are just subtle, you know, kind of like the left and the right, Republican Democrat, liberal conservative. Um, so I think we have an unlimited amount of directions we can go with that. So that that's kind of like what separates this from the daily discussion, which makes it its own entity. Yeah, it's it has to be like um. I'm tired of, I don't know if you feel the same way I'm feeling at the moment with, with politics. I'm tired of the left and right thing. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, it should be. So I was on a podcast yesterday, the Moon Forward podcast. It's a political podcast. And I remember, uh, and this is a shout out to Rio. I love Rio. Uh, but uh, when it comes to politics, especially political podcasts, they're go, 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 right? They, that's pretty much what, if you're on this, 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 you have to vote for this person. But uh, with me, I feel like... Um, when it comes to politics, and this is from my history of of uh, civil war between two people, and then civil war in this country in in America, the U.S. civil war, I don't want I don't want to get involved with that. I don't want to. I, I feel like I'm I'm the type of person that's going to be cleaning up the mess out of all the bullshit that's going to happen in 2020 in November, and I'm tired of it. We like like I told Isaac, I said we need more healers and fighters. Hi, everyone. I know you guys were enjoying the conversation, but this is where it ended because Connor accidentally knocked his microphone off his computer. So I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation that I had with Connor Dirty from the archive. And as always, guys, stay far out. Bye.